Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Last night, Atlanta United defeated DC United 3-1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Goals were scored by Yurgos Yakamakis, Andrew Gutman, and Tyler Wolf. As he continues to produce goals in short appearances for the squad. Atlanta United is now going to head into a bye week, its first week off since it opened training camp, I think on January 8th. Uh, and there's some good things for the team to uh, you know think about during this next week. Jurgis Yakamakis is tied for the MLS leading goals with 10 after his shot from an amazing angle last night. Tiago Almada leads MLS in assists and is second in goal contributions. Atlanta United is tied for the league lead in goals scored and second in goals allowed. Franco Albara is producing, produced again last night. Overall, it was a good performance against DC United minus the goal scored by DC United. We'll get into all that in the mailbag in a little bit. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Roberts and AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Let's go into a few of the numbers really quick before we hear from Pineda, Tyler Wolf. Jay Fortune, who made his debut last night, and Yakamakis. Atlanta United had 50.8% of the possession, but finished with the higher expected goals, 1.41. It had 10 shots to DC's 13, 4 on goal to DC's 5. It was, you know, a little bit statistically different than some Atlanta United games in the past, but it took advantage of its chances. Its title Wolf's goal came from one inch out. Andrew Gutman's goal came from two to three yards out. Yakamaki's goal and Gutman's goal, uh, Tyler Miller, the D.C. goalkeeper, is probably going to wish he had made some different decisions on those. There wasn't a whole lot he could do on Tyler Wolf's goal. But a win is a win, and with that win, Atlanta United kept pace with New England in the race for that fourth playoff spot in the East, which comes with a home match. Atlanta United has 28 points on the season, 7-4-7. It trails New England by two points. It trails Philadelphia by two points. It trails second place Nashville by four points. And Cincinnati, which has run away with the East, by 12 points because I do this consistently. Let's flip the table and look the other way. And Atlanta United is now 13 points ahead of Miami, which is last. Of more importance, it is six points ahead of Charlotte, which is on the wrong side of the playoff line in 10th at 22nd. Montreal is in 9th at 22nd. So Atlanta has a bit of a cushion and it's getting healthy. Ozzy Alonso made his return, his first MLS action in 14 months uh, for the final six minutes of the game. It has more chance to get healthy during this break and then it has a chance to start making a push and trying to secure that home playoff spot that has been the goal of club president Garth Lagerway and vice president Carlos Bocanegra and manager Gonzalo Pineda. That's the first goal. Obviously, trophies are always the goal, but that's the first step. When we come back, we're going to hear from Pineda, Fortune, Yakamakis, and Tana Wolf. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada, you can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. So Atlanta United played on Wednesday, played out in California against LAFC, and earned a 0-0 draw, which is a good point at you know the defending league champs. The performance wasn't great. Atlanta United did not put a shot on goal for the first time in franchise history. So the first question for me last night was to Pineda, asking if he was pleased with the offensive performance on Saturday. Well, I would say yes. Of course, there was a moment in the first half that – we're not sharp and we start to lose the control of the ball. Of course, not very pleased at that. I have to reflect on the film. Um, but yeah, overall, I think we're the team that was trying, trying, trying to to create the spaces to overload the opponent. Uh, and I'm very happy because this is a very good team. I don't know actually where they are in the standings at this moment and all that, but I think uh, Wayne Rooney is, uh, is doing a great job at putting a very solid team uh, the defenders are very tough to beat. They have they have a speed on the flank. They have someone like Benteke that is very difficult to mark. And then the people around Benteke is always finding the pockets to get the second balls. And from there, they progress the ball. So it's not easy to play against these type of teams. And today we show a very good performance, in my opinion. So kudos to everyone that was able to deal with the challenges that they present. And uh, yeah, overall, very, very pleased with the performance. So the moment that Pineda was talking about came, I've talked about this and some of the other guys kind of look at me like I have two heads when I start talking about this. But for some reason, around the 30th minute of games, not exactly the 30th minute, but around the 30th minute, for the final 15 minutes of the first half, Atlanta United typically loses control of matches. Again, I don't know why, but this happened against DC United last night. Atlanta United could count itself lucky that it wasn't down 3-1 to at the end of the first half. After the first goal, which was a turnover by Almada near midfield when the entire team was either at midfield or, or in D.C.'s half of the pitch, resulted in D.C. United's first goal by Taxi Fountas. Then Lewis O'Brien took a shot. It was a deflected shot, but it went off the underside of the crossbar, came down, and then bounced out. So that easily, just like one inch, one centimeter either way, could have been into the goal. And then there was another shot, I think, by Fountas again, who found himself just kind of open in the penalty box. Uh, pass was made to him. He had the basically the right half of the goal to shoot at, and he put it over the bar. But Atlanta United escaped, and that's part of uh, you know game modes and game flow. Got into halftime one to one, and then put the game away in the second half. So one of the things that Pineda did differently last night. And we kind of got a sense that this was coming. Uh, Those of us who who cover the team regularly, Sam and I, and and some of the others who are training, that he started Derek Etienne, who's naturally a right footer, on the right, and Caleb Wiley, who's naturally a left footer, on the left. This is a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different than previous games in which Etienne, again, who is right-footed, would start on the left as an inverted winger, and Luis Arujo, who's left-footed, would start on the right. Arujo did not start last night, uh, didn't play. He played a lot of minutes against the LFC. He's played a lot of minutes this season, but he's also going to Flamingo in three matches from now. 
And in my opinion, it's kind of time for Pineda to start figuring out who is going to be the winger on that side once Arahujo goes. This is the assumption that Atlanta United doesn't sign someone as soon as the summer window opens. Anyway, I thought Wiley and Etienne played well on the wing. They did what they were supposed to do. They made runs. They put in some crosses. They, they caused some trouble. Their spacing allowed Lennon and Gutman to kind of get into those middle third channels a little bit more than you can when you have the inverted wingers. But here's Pineda talking about not using the inverted wingers. Well, a little bit of directness. I was telling you the other day um, on, on the press conference that maybe having someone like Yaku, you know, it makes sense, maybe the natural wingers. And, uh, and not that completely work, because I cannot say it completely worked. The crosses to Yaku probably were not there completely as I, expect, I was expecting. But I feel like we are a bit more direct in the type of runs that we get. Uh, inverted wingers are always good when you have someone like Luis that can take the ball on the left and then dribble inside. Someone like Brooks can overlap and create different challenges for the opponent. Uh, but I think having natural wingers adds another dimension to our game where we can create a space for players in the pockets because of how many runs we make behind from, from that position on the flank. So tactically changes a little bit. Um, so we'll have to see and reflect what is the best thing for the team. Again, we have to maybe adapt a little bit to Yakumakis because in the past we were looking a lot at the primacy zone, primacy zones and everything on the ground. But having someone like Yaku that is so dominant in their duels and he's always in good positions to attack the back, uh, maybe we have to, to reflect on different ways to attack in the final third. Um, so all those are reflections that in the following days we will be taking, of course, and, uh, and, and we'll see. Everybody has favorite words, and reflect is one of Pineda's favorite words. And I, I think it's cool how he uses it. And he does. He does reflect. He thinks a lot about things and a lot about the team, and so it's, it's an accurate word. So anyway, here is uh, – so my follow-up later in the press conference about the inverted wingers was I was curious if having wingers staying wide opened up the space for Gutman to score his first goal. It came from a narrow angle. And if it opened up the space for Gutman's assist, which came from a, a brilliant pass from Almada, who split two D.C. United defenders, put the ball toward the touchline, Gutman caught up to it, put it across, and, and Wolf kind of bundled it over, to use a phrase you hear in soccer all the time. But if that led to that space for Gutman, and here's, here's his answer. I think, uh, you know, when you have inverted wingers, actually the overlap becomes more natural because the wingers are coming in the pocket and then he can overlap. I think it's more about, to me, the initial position of our fullbacks and then how we can get the right timing for them to overlap. It's more about timing and space and and uh, understanding the moments of the games as well. We're talking about certain things, I think, in the last press conference about his positioning and uh, he wasn't underlapping, overlapping. And as I told you guys, no, he still can attack, but it's just maybe be more cautious in certain moments where Brooks is uh, attacking on the right side. He can cover a little bit and not putting the two fullbacks at the same time uh, higher on the field. So it's about that, recognizing the moment of, moments of the games. And we know what Andrew can provide in the final third. It's just a matter of volume, chances that he can get, and then he's going to score or assist many times. Um, so I think kudos to Andrew, who's doing a good job. Yeah, kudos to Andrew, who did a good job. We didn't get a chance to talk to him uh, in the locker room after he was already gone. Same for Ozzy on his debut. Uh, hoping to get Ozzy before the NYCFC game, which will be Atlanta's next game on uh, Wednesday the 21st. 
the 19th will be, or the 20th, uh, will be when the next podcast will come out after this one, unless there's some news next week. And I don't anticipate any podcast worthy news. I just want to say thanks to Daniel who escaped Interpol again, is back to doing his illegal crocheting. He's got all the bags of Doug coffee. So if you want some Doug coffee, reach out to Daniel. Uh, and, and he only takes small crypto amounts of money. So you'll have to figure that one out on your own. So a Johnny Fortune, or Jay, as he prefers to be called, rocking a Braves jersey last night in the locker room after, made his MLS debut. He did have a start uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. But this was his league debut. Went 72 minutes. I thought he played well. Um, he showed for the ball really well. He got involved in the attack really well. He didn't create any chances. I need to point that out because that's been a criticism of mine of Hosetu and sometimes Sadich when they play. But he was active, and that was that was good to see. And here's Fortune talking about his first start. Yeah, hopefully it was good. Uh, feedback's been good so far. So obviously with the staff that we have and the people around me, we'll go back and look at it and always look for improvements uh, to try and get better day in, day out. But for the first start with this great team, the great people around me, I think it was good. So I followed up by asking him what does he want to improve upon before the next match. Hopefully that if it, if it does happen, you know, just being more aware of the positioning of people around me. It's always just trying to be quicker on the ball, so make it a lot harder to lose it, and obviously another win would be great. One of the things that Pineda said he likes about Fortune is he can play as the 6, the 8, or the 10, and that versatility within the game can cause opponents problems, and it also creates opportunities for Almada because suddenly defenders have Fortune popping up in zones, which gives Almada some space he can move around in as they focus on Fortune. So just wanted a quick thought from him about his versatility. Yeah, I think uh, different times I was asked to do different things during the game. And I think the biggest thing for me is being able to execute what the coach asked of me. And I think I was able to do that uh, tonight for a couple times. And hopefully going forward, I can do it again. So behind the media pack uh, stood Chol, Derek Etienne, and uh, Clement Jop holding up cameras, trying to uh, make fortune kind of break a little bit during the interview. But he held his ground. And, you know, when you see that kind of stuff, that's a sign of how much a player is liked by teammates. It's not the only sign, but it's always good to see, you know, that kind of camaraderie, I think, in a team. Uh, so after that answer, I kind of slunk away to try to get Tyler Wolf one-on-one. So what happens in the locker rooms, and this is – it's not a sore point, but it's always interesting to me, is we go, we go into the locker room after we talk to Pineda, and then someone – 99% of the time, me, will go up to a player, ask, hey, can I get you for a few minutes? And then everyone follows. And, you know, it, it's a little weird at times. It's hard to get unique quotes when the entire pack is there. So I tried to get away from the pack and go talk to Tyler for a second just to try to get some unique quotes from Tyler. Nada said that Wolf is pushing for a starting spot. Wolf has three goals this season. I must point out, and this is not being sassy, that Arahujo has three goals this season and about three times, three to four times as many minutes as Wolf. And the thing that Wolf does well is simply he makes the runs into the box. He he he's not a dribbler. He gets the ball, gets rid of the ball, makes a run. And that's how his goals have come. But I asked Tyler if he was getting closer to earning a starting role. Yeah, I think um, these little wins I keep taking with me and uh, just keep working hard, go back to the back to the training field. Um, 
just keep grinding, keep trying to learn, and um, yeah, just take one step at a time, and hopefully my opportunities will keep coming. And then one of the things that Pineda said is they like how, you know, if Wolf is frustrated, he he's working even harder to try to be better, to try to show the coaches that he deserves a minute. So I asked Tyler if that was has been a focus of his on on just making sure that his attitude, even if he's frustrated, though, is it, turning into something positive. Yeah, I think over, over the long period of time, it's obviously it's tough to get minutes here at such a big club, a lot of talent. I think it's just important to keep a level head and just keep going and keep grinding. And then what he needs to work on to try to, you know, stay on the coach's radar. You can never score enough goals, um, so keep trying to be dangerous for the team, goals, assists, um, just keep racking up those contributions, and yeah. Here's here's my take on Tyler. I shared this with a few people last night, and I've shared this on the podcast before, but if you're a first-time listener to the award-eligible Southern Fried Soccer podcast trademark copyright, don't steal my title. The summer transfer window opens July 5th, I think it is. They The team knows Arhujo's gone. Etienne has not had the statistical production that I think anyone expected through 18 matches now. He's got no goals and two assists. If I were management of Atlanta United, I would be considering telling Tyler Wolf or Machop Chol, who are both homegrowns, both very inexpensive salaries, but both still kind of unknowns a little bit. I would tell one of them, you've got until the summer window. You're going to get these starts. No matter what you do, you can make a mistake. I don't care. But these minutes are yours. Show me what you can do. And then if they go and they do something before the summer window, then you know, hey, we got somebody we can count on for the rest of the season. Somebody who's going to produce. They also know going forward when they have to start deciding contract options, we want to keep this guy or this guy is not going to be anything more than a bench player and decide what they're going to do from that point. If they don't produce, then they know, okay, we've still got Etienne or we can go into the transfer market and find someone to try to be that winger. Uh, but, you know, the problem with home, not the problem, a problem with homegrowns is a lot of times they just don't get a lot of minutes. And so you never really know as a, as a, a reporter or as, as a supporter like y'all are, what is this guy capable of? And some of your questions in the mailbag are going to be about Tyler Wolf and why he's not starting. And I'll, I'll give you some answers, my theories about that. But sometimes it's just a matter of giving a player, just telling a player, these minutes are yours. Don't worry about anything. Just go and play, have fun. And then they can relax and they can produce. And if they don't, then you know. But anyway, so this is another one of those pack things. Uh, Yurgos was talking with a, a Greek friend of his who uh, covered the game last night from another outlet. I don't know the outlet, but they had a long conversation. I kind of stood there about five feet away waiting and waiting. And the rest of the guys in the locker room were over on the other side. And then as soon as the conversation was done, I asked Yurgos if I could talk to him. And froom, a flock of birds showed up around Yurgos. So you're going to see these quotes from a lot of different outlets. Um I, there's really no, I don't know how to get around that, but anyway. Yurgos uh, uh, scored his 10th goal. He reached that mark faster than anyone in Atlanta United history. Uh, wrote about it in the game story you can find on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. It's going to be in the follow that I'm going to finish writing as soon as Daniel is done with me here. Uh, but I asked him if he was surprised by his success with the club so far. No, as I said, uh, first of all, I didn't have, I didn't think uh, about any record or about anything else. Uh, the only thing I'm, I'm really thinking about every, every single week is to score and help my team. 
So by scoring every week, then you're chasing some records or some good achievements. And I didn't know, to be honest, uh, but uh, I'm really happy. And I'm looking forward for, for more, more success and more achievements to much more uh, things to achieve in the future. And I will point this out. Some of you, not all of you, some of you like to bang on Bocanegra for failed signings in Atlanta United's history, and you have a right to do that, and there are some failed signings. There also have been some successful signings, and Yakamakis is proving to be one of the most successful signings a club has ever had uh, as a designated player. He's outpacing Joseph over a sprint, but this is a marathon. We'll see what happens in the long term. Um, they got Almada right. Uh, Arahujo, they did not get right, but now there's a chance to correct that in the summer window. So, you know, when you all come at me with sometimes some just over-the-top takes, one guy in particular was, you know, asking me how come I don't ask Pineda if he's worried about his job. Well, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous question to ask, to be honest with you, because the team is in fifth in the East. Again, tied for the most goals scored in the league. It's just it, that that's an agenda. Don't don't give me your agenda without giving me some solid facts if you want me to ask those type of questions or if you want to have that conversation. It's just it's it's silly. You know? I mean, let's let's talk factually. Let's talk anecdotally. Let's not push agendas. All right? I want to have conversations with you, but I lose patience when it's just you know, just just white noise, uh, static, uh just vitriol. All right. And so on the goal from Yakamakis, it was a, a great pass from Miles Robinson over the top of DC United, which for some reason has been playing a very, very high line this season. I should say it's working. I mean, they're above the playoff line, but they were playing a high line. Robinson hit a great pass over the top. Yakimakis caught up to it. Tyler Miller for DC United also came out to try to reach the ball. Yakimakis got there first. Miller kind of fell to the ground. And Yakimakis basically passed it into the goal from about 20 yards in a tight angle. But I asked him if he was surprised how far the goalie came out to try to get that ball. Mm, no. <laughs> we knew that um, when we try to play behind the, the back of the defense, then the goalkeeper will go out. Um, we read the game. We we scored because we were re- well prepared about, about this game. Uh, the manager explained everything about about their goalkeeper and the timing to go out, and eventually that worked. We scored because he he tried to went out and he missed the ball. I think yeah, it wasn't it was my luck. All right, when we come back, we're gonna dive into the mailbag. I hope it's a deep end. Uh, otherwise, I'm gonna bang my noggin, and I don't think I can take any more head injuries. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm told I can ad-lib this as much as I want to, so I could try to do it as a gangster rap or a country blues song, but I don't know what the rhymes would be. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. 
That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. Now, one of the things that we have, I've talked about this several times, but every Sunday I like to bring it up. We have a fantastic sports magazine as part of our e-paper. It's fantastic. It, it's it's thick, as thick as an e-paper thing could be, I guess. It has a lot of pages. How about that? A lot of information, a lot of good reads, a lot of bite-sized nuggets you can take and talk to your friends on the golf course or at the bar or at the office. You can throw around. It'll help you if you play trivia at any of the places around Midtown or Inman Park or those kind of places that some of my friends go to. It's just got some good information in it. It's laid out well. It's visually appealing. So consider subscribing so you can get that uh, sports newsletter, if nothing else. But to do it, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on both with the paper and with me and with Daniel as he continues to elude the law. Now, we didn't get any, well, we got a voicemail, but it didn't show up. But the person was kind enough to also text me their question. But the phone number is 404-526-AJC. 404-526-2527. I'm going to take a sip of Doug coffee before we get into a message from Hernando, who sent this to me while I was in London and it got lost in my email. Hernando, I hope your wife is improving and I'm going to read your notes here as soon as I take a sip of coffee. All right. He starts with Pineda's Pineda's coaching seat. You, being me, frequently talk about the importance of consistency for the team to play up to its potential. I agree with your analysis, and I think it applies to the coaching staff as well. Pineda deserves time and support. The team was playing like a Ferrari when FDB inherited it from Tata. FDB sacrificed our attacking style in favor of a more pragmatic approach. Well, he had to. You didn't have Almiron anymore, for starters. Sure, we won two trophies, but lost our identity and swagger. You also had to get rid of some players who wanted to get paid, and it's a salary cap league. Heinz inherited a team on the decline and managed to destroy it. Comparisons between FDB and Pineda have to account for the condition of the team they inherited. Pineda showed a lot of creativity and skill to navigate the 2022 injury riddle season. There's no denying that we hit a slump this season, but that is normal. His seat should only be on fire if we miss the playoffs. If we are patient, Pineda will help us fill a case full of trophies and best of all, in an exciting playing style. Thoughts? No, this is kind of the things I've been saying. Um, you know, I said at the beginning of the season, let's wait 10 games and the team is above the playoff line. Now we're past 18 games. The team is within striking distance of a home playoff match. It's healthy. Uh, it has navigated two very tough games and gotten four points, including stealing a point at LAFC, which few people do. Uh, have they given dropped some points this year? Yes, they have. But it's a long season, and let's just see what happens. And if the team doesn't make the playoffs, I'll be the first to ask Pineda, hey, are you afraid for your job? I did it with Frank. I did it with Heinze. I'll do it again when the time is appropriate. Hernando concedes or continues goals conceded. Atlanta supporters know the team said they'd rather win three to two than one to nothing. That was Darren Eels a long, long time ago. That was to me actually a long, long time ago. This season, we're scoring a lot of goals and also conceding a fair amount. That is consistent with the style of soccer the club promised. If we clean up a few individual mistakes and play smart at the end of the match, we should come on the winning side of exciting matches often. To be fair, the goals conceded problem is not as bad as the statistics show since six of the goals we conceded the season came against Columbus when the team was depleted. Thoughts? Nope, you're 100% right. And also, if you look at the expected goals allowed, 
defensively, Atlanta United should not be giving up as many goals as it has. Of course, that you flip that, and they shouldn't be scoring as many goals as they're scoring because they're they're outperforming or un, under whatever the phrase is, both categories. Now, having said that, I tweeted last night that goal from DC United. You look at that goal, you look at the mistake by Almada, you look at the situation, and you say to yourself, "That won't happen again. That that's a one-off." But as I tweeted, we've seen these type of things happen to Atlanta United over and over and over again for four years. At some point, you have to realize. Atlanta United's game mode is a little bit different. Game mode is a, a Sam Jones favorite phrase than other teams. And so you do kind of have to account for a little bit of chaos in every event. But you're right about the goals conceded. And he continues with player nicknames. In your first interview with Yakamakis, he said he likes to be called Yako or Tank. People frequently refer to him as GG. Who determines a player's nickname? I don't like to call players by their nicknames. Uh, I don't like to call anybody by their nickname except my daughter, who I'll call Stinky Pants. So I call GG because it's much quicker to tweet than Yakamakis. That's why. It's also easier to say than Yakamakis. But anyway, that's why. On to Nick, who says, I wanted to get your thoughts on Fortune's first start. It seems that Abara has locked down one spot in the double pivot with Ozzy Alonso backing him up. I yeah, Let's slow slow the roll on that one a little bit. Who should get the majority of starts next to Abara, and is that player even on the roster yet? I think Ozzy is among those to back up Abara. Don't forget, Santi Sosa is still out there. Though I think one of those midfielders, I don't know which one, pro, I mean, if I had to guess, it will be Sosa, Is the team is likely going to try to do something with in this summer window. Sosa is a good guy, but Abara has locked down that spot. The only problem that Atlanta has is a bar accumulates yellow cards like I accumulate bananas. Uh, and he's like, he has seven already this season. Uh, Pineda kind of joked last night he's glad a bar didn't pick up his eighth. Yakimakis did pick up his fifth, and he's going to miss that NYCFC game. He probably wouldn't have played anyway because he's going to be coming back from international duty. But anyway. So Ozzy is one of those to back up. Abara. And as Ozzy's fitness improves, you know, he could even push for a start. But even Pineda said last night, they're probably a couple of months away from, from that being a possibility. The central midfielder slot. Fortune played well. We'll have to see if he can do it on the road, if he gets a start on the road. That's that's the true test in Major League Soccer. Sadich, I still think Sadich and Abara are a good pairing in central midfield, particularly at home. Sadich is very good. Uh, off the ball, great movement, very smart player, very good at tight turns and then getting rid of the ball. He's healthy again, so we'll see. And, you know, your point about the, is the player even on the roster yet? It's a good point. I've, I talk about this with some of the other guys who cover the team. They disagree with me, but I think I'm going to be proven right. If Atlanta United ends up with two designated player slots this summer, you already know one, Arahujo, the other being Almada, if he if the team gets an offer they can't refuse. I would not at all be surprised. In fact, I'm 90% sure that the team will hold on to one of those DP slots until the winter window because they're about to unload a ton of money and contracts uh, that, that are going away. Miles Robinson, for starters, I got to think they're not going to pick up the option on Huzetu, who makes a lot of money. Sosa makes a lot of money. Guzan, if they don't pick up that option, that's a lot of money. That's just a few. I mean, that's you put those guys together, 
you put Arahujo on there, and that's already more than six million dollars, seven million dollars, I think, off the books for Atlanta United. Now, some of that's going to be reinvested into one of the DPs, but I think they hold that other DP, start building the roster again, or rebuilding the roster in the manner that Garth has. You know, his vision, which Carlos Bocanegra will be tasked with executing, of being a consistent contender for you know, over the next four or five years, and then you reload and you do it again. The summer window, Garth does like to do business in the summer window. That's why I think if there's two DPs, one of the slots will be filled. If there's only one DP, that slot will be filled. But you hold on to that winter window. You see where the holes are on the roster. You see what you've got with your homegrown. You figure out what you're going to do, and then you move forward. That's why, so you don't make a, a summer signing that ends up not working out like the Moreno and Alan Franco and Jurgen Dom and, and some of those past signings that the team has made in the summer that just have not worked out. So it could be a center midfielder coming on a TAM deal this summer if we get two DP slots open, for example. That would not at all surprise me. In fact, I think that's what the team will do if they can find what they want. If they can find that skill set that is not currently on the roster and they'll go from there. It's going to be a fun summer. Chance, I hope you're feeling better. Says he can't call in this week. It was refreshing to see Atlanta finally being able to connect and make opportunities happen. He's got to make a note that Arahujo wasn't in the game at all, but we also have to remember that DC United isn't LAFC. Regardless, he's very happy with the result. His question is, what do we know of this fortune kid? Seems like this guy might be a new regular in the squad. Thank you and enjoy your coffee. I'm going to take a coffee sip right now, Chance. Thank you. Fortune is a homegrown. Pineda was very high on him and a few of the other homegrowns in the preseason. That's not unusual. Sometimes coaches will really talk up the homegrowns in order to kind of light a fire under the veterans. Uh, but Fortune, he's played well with the twos. Uh, he's come in and, and you know, did a job for the team when they needed him to in limited minutes, and he did well in his first start, 3-1 win. That's a plus two in his category there for his first start, which is not bad. Uh, now it's just getting more confident, uh, building that chemistry with teammates, assuming he gets another start, and going from there. Um, he's fast. He's You can tell that he's got some room on his frame to, to put on some muscle and get a little bit bigger. Yeah, bright future. Captain Redbeard, aye, aye. Questions for the pod. Fortune was great. Why did anyone think we needed to renew Rosetto's terrible contract or start him over a Johnny for so long? Okay, now this is one of those examples I was referring to when we were listening to Pineda and some of those other guys. You can't take a sample size of 70 minutes and project it over a season and say that Fortune is better than Huzetu. You just can't. Uh, do I agree that Huzetu's contract is terrible? Yes, I do. Do I wonder why they picked up the option? Yes, I do. Uh, do I think he's going to be on the team next year? No, I do not. But you simply can't project that fortune is better than Huzetu. The sample size is just not big enough. He continues with Huzetu bench for ineffectiveness, mentality, etc. This is one of those narratives that people push that I disagree with. Uh, just you ask me, why was Huzetu bench? But don't throw out your own kind of hopes, I guess. That's not an admonishment, Captain Redbeard. This is I got this question from a whole bunch of different people last night. No, Huzetu was benched because he measured out and expressed fatigue after the LAFC game. He has some calf soreness. There's no point in pushing him in a game when you're about to get a, a week off. Just let him rest. He wasn't going to start anyway, Pineda said. So just that's why he wasn't in the game day roster. Plus, when you already have 
fortunate you already have Sadich, you already have Alonso. There's no point in carrying another midfielder on the game day roster. That's it. Have I pushed for someone else to start ahead of Husetu? Yes, I have. But that's only just because I don't think he was playing very well. It had nothing to do with mentality or anything like that. Was the team's good play today a result of the standard being set? Oh, he was asking, is this the real instance of Pineda holding players accountable? Again, this is a narrative. This is a, you're pushing a hopeful narrative. No. He says, Gutman was immense. Classic Yako goal showing. The team looked much more dangerous. The two wingers willing to run behind. That thread in behind the back line led to all the goals. Will it also help that DC was playing a high line, which most teams don't try against Atlanta United? That said, what does Wolf have to do for more playing time? He's been outperforming Etienne for weeks. This is another one of those things where Wolf has scored three goals. He scored them in limited minutes. Etienne has yet to score. But you can't project that if Wolf were to start, he's going to score every game. Some players are better as coming off the bench. I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you remember uh, the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys back in the day, but they had a guy named Vinny Johnson who was much better coming off the bench as a sharpshooter than he was as a starter because he had certain limitations. Now, I don't know what Wolf's limitations are, but right now, if he's scoring as a sub, not a bad idea to keep using him as a sub if he's going to keep scoring. Um, Do I think he deserves a start? I do. I said that earlier. But – you can't just assume that if he were to start, he's going to do something better than Etienne. Etienne does things that don't show up on the stat sheet. He, I watched last night. He made run after run after run behind DC's back line. Didn't get a lot of service all the time. He got one really good pass from Almada. I think it was in the first half. Uh, and led to a corner kick. Etienne does generate a lot of corner kicks. I know that's not a sexy stat. I don't know why he's not scoring. I don't know why he's not getting more assists. And I understand your lack of patience. I kind of developed a lack of patience and, and think it's time to give someone else an opportunity. But you can't project that Wolf is going to automatically be better than Etienne. The Joe, Wolf leads the team, and I think the league in goals per 90 minutes. Why is he not starting? I just covered that one, Joe, but I appreciate the question. Um, if he continues to play well, perform well, then I assume he's going to get a start. We'll see. Mike says, how long is Gigi's contract with us? And when that deal is up, do you think there's a decent chance – he resigns, dude. He just joined the team this season. I have no idea what's going to happen in the next few years. I think his deal is uh, Atlanta United put it out earlier this year. Yakimaki's deal ends after the twenty twenty six season, so you've got him for three more seasons, which is a pretty good deal. Um, and who knows if he's going? He's going to be in his thirties, I think, at that point. So who 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 knows what's going to happen? Uh, Mike continues, Almada had a great assist, but I think you'll agree with me that he's not been a focal point of our offense like he was earlier this season. What gives? What have you noticed on his impact has dropped? He's, he, he did have a fantastic assist last night. He's, he's making great passes, but opponents adjust, and they try to take away what Almada does well. He, he's had a lot of turnovers the past few games. He Against LAFC, he, he's had this habit of trying to make this cross-field pass in Atlanta United's defensive third. Now, it's a great idea because typically opponents are going to try to pinch you into the sideline, the fullbacks or whoever has the ball on that part. So to be able to hit that big switch is going to have a lot of room on the other side of the field for your teammate to get into. But I've seen at least twice, maybe three times, it's led to a turnover. He didn't try that last night, but he, you know his turnover did lead to D.C.'s goal. You know He may be getting a little bit tired. He's had a long year. He was with Argentina for the World Cup, came back. Dropped to do Atlanta United's lineup, 
went back, played again for Argentina. He might need this break as much as anybody, although he is going to have to go report for international duty, I think. I think that's right. So he may just be getting a little bit tired. Uh, Mike continues, can he give a rundown on the players we'll be missing on international duty and which games those guys will be out? They're not going to miss any games. Uh, they should be back. Yakamaki's may be a late coming in, but it's the usual suspects that will be out. It's at the very bottom of my game story from last night. The headline is Yorgo Yakamaki's Andrew Gutman lead Atlanta United past DC United. But the players that are going to be out are Etienne to Haiti, Chol to South Sudan, Abram to Peru, Fortune to Trinidad and Tobago. Also gone for international duty will be Robinson to the U.S., Yakamaki's to Greece, and Almada to Argentina. So once again, seven. I think it's seven players gone. And we'll see how many of them are able to be back and play against NYCFC. Thank you very much for the pods, Mike says. Always a highlight of my day. Well, thank you, Mike. Caleb, not Caleb Wiley, although it would be awesome if he were to call in, says, is it possible Atlanta picked up Puzetu's option to be able to sell him this summer? Didn't see him on the bench or the injury report. I I laughed a little bit at that, Caleb. Not laughing at you, just laughing. Because I don't understand the logic of the question. It's It's a good question. I'm trying to understand what you're talking about. I think you're trying to say that the team picked up Puzetu thinking that they could sell him this summer, which implies that there's a value that other teams want. Not being trying try to insult Hosetu, but as of this season, I'm not quite sure what that value would be at the, at that salary. It's a big salary. It's like seven hundred something thousand dollars with no goals and one assist, I think is right. Or one goal and assist. Something it's not big goal contributions, not big tackling stats. I I, I don't know what that value would be. And I covered why he wasn't on the bench or in the injury report. Josh says, love the pod and all you do covering the team for the AJC. Well, thanks, Josh. He says, it kind of looked to me like Yurgos tried to get booked intentionally right before he got subbed. I believe he will now miss the next game. He will miss the next game. I'm sure he and the staff knew that. Do you think there's anything to that? Okay, so this is one of those things going back to the pack in the locker room thing. Had I been able to talk to Yurgos by myself, I probably would have asked him that question. But in front of a pack, I'm not going to ask that question because it's just it's that's not a question to ask in front of a group of, of reporters. He says maybe we prefer to have him miss the NYCFC game for some reason, perhaps because of the international break or Arujo still being available or something else. Any insider speculation? It'd be crafty if that was the plan. Yeah. He continues, does Josh. Do you think Atlanta would consider putting grass? in if Messi gave us an ultimatum for the September game. (laughs) Well, Messi can't give another team an ultimatum. So to put, I've written about this, I wrote about this uh, for the World Cup as one of the World Cup stories. It is cost prohibitive to put grass in for one game unless you've got a promoter who has the money and the stadium has the time. The Atlanta United game against Miami at home is going to be September 16th. The Falcons are in play. Then it takes a couple of weeks to do this, to get the stadium ready to put in grass. You have to put the grass in. You have to use the thing kind of like you use for carpets to get rid of seams, to get the seams together. The grass has to grow. You have to get sunlight. It takes it takes more than a week. It takes a couple of weeks. So if Messi chooses not to play because there's turf, then Messi chooses not to play because there's turf. Although I would think that MLS would kindly ask Messi, hey, please play as many games as you possibly can regardless of grass or turf, even if it's just off the bench. 
but they don't, I don't think they can do that either. But anyway, Josh, if you go and you look up uh, Doug Robertson World Cup Mercedes-Benz Stadium, AJC.com, and grass, that story will pop up. The headline is, How Will the Grass Grow at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? It published on the line on April 20th. I think maybe the most handsome sports writer in the history of sports writers uh, wrote it. The approximate cost is $300,000. Now, this was for, I wrote this about the four Premier League teams, games that's coming, the back-to-back games. But, yeah, the cost to do grass for just that is $300,000. That is, you know, for me, that's a lot of money. For Arthur Blank, it's not a lot of money, but I don't see it happening. Again, because the Falcons are already playing and Lane United's already playing, there's there's no time, among other considerations. Eric with a K says, I was resting easy with a two-goal lead and generally just enjoying the match. I am glad that you were happy, Eric. Then Gigi decided to settle a personal vendetta which cost him the next match. I guess my opinion is what the flock. Did you run, Eric? Did you run so far away? Like a child, did you run both night and day? I'll give anyone a shiny wooden nickel if they know what song that's from. Eric continues, also, I'm heading to Nashville soon. Good for you. Any recommendations for a cool sports bar? A cool sports bar? No, I don't have any recommendations for a cool sports bar. Cool restaurants? Uh, The Chef and I, fantastic. Uh, You need to make a reservation now if you can. Uh, try to sit at the bar where they make the appetizers. Really cool experience. Uh, there's a, a fantastic steakhouse uh, there in Nashville. The name is eluding me right now. If you email me, uh, my friend Richard uh, and I, uh, Richard was kind enough to buy dinner for us there. God, what was the name of that place? It was a fantastic. They have one in Cincinnati to, it's a person's name. Something Ruby, I think. Uh, anyway, if you want to drop some dollars, that's a really good place to go. But there are so many good bars in Nashville. It's such a fun city. I love that city. Uh, I hope you have a great time, Eric, with a K. Broadway might be the least fun part of Nashville, to be honest with you. There are so many other cool things to do. Dave says, This game was a good indication of how the team would do without Arahujo and what players they would use instead. What's your take? They tried Wiley at midfield and fortunate winger. No, I think you got that backwards. They had fortunate midfield and Wiley at winger. They had the most success early in this season with Wiley as a winger. I'll take the win and hope the Carvel machine is working for you. Thanks for all you do. It was working last night. It has not been working the past couple of games. I wrote a letter to Mr. Carvel, put a stamp on it, and sent it. So I think that is what got the Carvel ice cream machine working again. If Daniel wants to try to break into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and fix the Carvel ice cream machine with a crochet hook or pattern, that would be good too. I think that's how science works. Uh, no, Wiley played well. Fortune played well. And, you know, I think Arahujo becomes a bench player the next couple of games. Daboonful says, which MLS team do you think is the absolute worst at clearing danger by passing the ball upfield from very deep defensive positioning? Atlanta United or Atlanta United? I'm going to go differently, Daboonful, and I'm going to say Atlanta United. No, I really don't know. I don't even know how you figure out that stat, but I understand your point. You're frustrated. Uh, yeah, there, there was a sequence last night. Caleb Wiley made a, a fantastic tracking run back, 
kind of a no-look backheeled pass to a teammate. That teammate passed it to Guzan. That teammate passed it to Brooks Lennon. And then Brooks Lennon got trapped in the other corner. And, that, I mean, that's what D.C. was trying to do. So they were able to execute that tactic. But I kind of understand, I understand your point. And that's not on Lennon. I mean, that was D.C.'s tactic. They were trying to do that. And then Adam with our email of the week. In lieu of the team's generally fine display and the lack of glaring issues with which we weren't already familiar, let's celebrate with some critical ice cream questions. Cup or cone? Now, I love a good cone, Adam, but they don't offer, I don't think they offer, they had cones earlier in this year at the stadium, but I don't think they have them now. I think it's only cup, and that's probably fine because it's less messy. Anytime you can have a press box meal in which you don't have to have a knife, you can just use a fork or a spoon, that's always a good thing by me because you want to limit the mess. Otherwise, you get it on your clothes and you walk around looking like a Dorcas Morcus. Do you mix flavors? And if so, what's your favorite combination? Favorite, favorite combination? Well, the Carvel machine has chocolate and it has vanilla. I usually go with a swirl. I get crazy and swirl it up or ask the person to give me a swirl. And then a little bit of M&Ms. Last night, the person was so kind, they put so many M&Ms on it. They were falling off and onto the floor and I could not clean them up because I didn't have a broom or a mop or anything, but it was a fantastic ice cream experience. I hope you enjoyed some of your favorite as I intend with some chocolate raspberry truffle tomorrow. Where the heck are you getting chocolate raspberry truffle? Come on now, share. I'll go get some chocolate raspberry truffle. And Adam says, sorry. And this is why this is email of the week because of Adam's question in the previous podcast. He talked about uh, a hat, and I asked him if he had a giant orange foam cowboy hat, a la Homer Simpson, in hopes, hope beyond hope that he did, and would send me a photo. And here's his answer. I don't own a cowboy hat of any kind, let alone a giant foam one, a la Homer Simpson. You'll have to settle for me almost always sporting a black United cap. So I'll put the call out there. If anyone has a giant foam orange cowboy hat, a la Homer Simpson, Please send in your photo, and I'll make sure to tweet it out. If you have one of you as a kid, send it to me, and I'll tweet it out. Because the giant foam orange cowboy hat is just the best fashion device ever invented. This is Southern Fried Soccer. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,